Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. So every week we put out multiple episodes to help you on your jiu-jitsu journey. Now, it's a privilege for us to be in this position, but we want to ask one thing from you. And this is a very small gesture on your part, but it means the world to us. Simply hit the follow or subscribe button on whichever platform you enjoy this podcast on. It means the world to us. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. We have Q&A for BJJ. Now, if you would like to leave us a message, just go to our website and you can click on podcast, scroll down and you will find the red button where you can leave us a voicemail and we will feature your question, answer that question on the show, just like this. Bulletproofforbjj.com is the website. Correct. Coming in first, Manny. I wonder if it's a Manolo. We'll see. Hey boys, it's Manny from uh, Melbourne. First off, love the podcast, love the content, keep it up. Shout out. Uh, my question for you, what supermarket do you guys shop at? Joey, you come across as a IGA type looking for, you know, fresh organic produce and JT, you look like more of a Coles bloke. <laughs> Thanks boys. Bye. Ouch. What the oh, fuck, wow. Man? Pretty accurate. No, I don't think that is accurate. <laughs> I think, Manny, you've assumed wrong. JT wants that family pack of sausage on special. <laughs> yeah, I, man, I go, I, go che- I go cheap as possible. Uh, I'll be honest, I hate grocery shopping and I will defer it as best I can, uh, delegate it. So if my partner wants to go, I'll say, go for it, love. Here's all the money, do all the shopping. I think it's the biggest waste of time possible. So I try not to shop. And if I do shop, go really cheap on day-to-day stuff. So it could go Aldi. But when it comes to meat and veg, I prefer to go like butcher or like smaller grocery store. Even though, keeping it real, wherever the sales is at. Could be Coles, could be whatever. Wherever the sales. So what are we saying? Are you just Did that just undo all of your go to the butcher? Cause no, 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 the no, sales no, no not for meat. No, no, no. Oh, for, right. for meat and veg. That remains. That remains. But for the other stuff like... Oh, they've got a deal on lime soda water or something like flavor soda water. Get it. You know, would that be accurate, Joe? Are you an IGA man? Well, I'll be honest, Manolo. When I first heard you go, I was like, IGA, fuck you, bro. Because IGA depends, they're independent. And so there's an IGA here at Botany. It's like a fucking hell pit. It's awful. Like never buy shit from there. And It's overpriced. And then I used to to be an IGA at Bondi where I lived. Horrendous. But there are some IGAs out there that are super plush. And I could see Joey walking into one of those IGAs. Oh, could Joey see that? (laughs) (laughs) What a waker. Um, Yeah, I definitely, yeah, like to spend up. But I'm the same. We will look for, like, we'll go to, like, Audi or Coles or whatever, like, for the day-to-day stuff. But for any of the food stuff, usually pretty particular. Don't mind going to, there's a couple of butchers that I will go to in Sydney but most of the time we buy our meat online from um, uh-huh. like organic pasture raised groups where it's actually cheaper. 
mm. because because you're buying it from the farm. Yes. And then they just ship it to you. And as long as you're spending over like 120 bucks, yeah. and we, we, we buy like every couple of months. A bunch. Yeah, got a big freezer for it. It's really economical and it's like the highest quality. When there's enough room in Joey's freezer amongst all the, the bow-hunted elk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Farmer Joe is out there at on the, the moment. Land. I'm just putting like sacks full of like old t-shirts and stuff in there, Targets. just to hold the space <laughs> for the elk that is incoming. <laughs> Believe that, but I'm a big fan of that, and I do suggest it if you realize that you buy like certain meat products, or whatever, regularly. If you can, and and it's within your means. Like if you go to uh, ethical farmers, or you go to Provenir, or you go to Feather and Bone, they're all in in Sydney probably in Australia, you can like order a package and they do packs of different things and um, and it's really economical and it's the highest quality meat produce you can get. There you go. But also how dare you with your assumption. <laughs> Come see me. Manny, my guy. Next one coming in from Jeffrey. Good evening, guys. It's Jeffrey here. I was wondering what do you consider a red flag? I went to a gym, a BJJ gym, the other day and it was hardcore heavy metal music blaring throughout the class and I couldn't hear exactly what the instructor was saying so I just followed what other people were doing. I just don't understand why some gyms have super heavy metal music that you hardly can understand what is going on in class. Jeffrey, good fucking question, man. Hey, man, I don't know. I, that sounds like a powerlifting gym to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been to a few powerlifting gyms and there's always something, you know, Cannibal Corpse or just something like, you know, there's got to be someone screaming in there. Heavy metal for me is a red flag, always. <laughs> I like some of it, but if I'm in a gym, I'm like, uh, I'm more of a hip-hop house music kind of guy. Yeah, look, I don't, I, I have nothing against heavy metal I guess the thing is just the idea that the music is playing while the instruction is going on. That seems like a fundamental flaw. Yeah, and it's not even a red flag. It's like that just doesn't seem like good practice, especially if you're new and uh, you can't hear what the coach is saying. I think that is a problem. So, I mean, yeah, if you're not into heavy metal, uh, I'm not sure what you're into. It doesn't sound like you were, you were vibing it. You've got to say culturally it's maybe not a good fit. In the same way, like if you go to a gym and – everybody smokes weed and you're not into that, then you're not going to probably relate to those people even if they have really good jujitsu. So I think as soon as you can identify that this isn't my vibe, you, you don't want to be there. Yeah, You know, it's going to be a, a, a hindrance. I'd definitely give it another bash there because you never know. It could have been like a, a casual coach. Sure. You know, maybe they didn't know how to work the stereo. Maybe they weren't aware that it was too loud. Maybe they thought everyone could hear fine. Perhaps you were closer to the speaker Maybe you know, like just that that shit can happen. So I'd I'd go back, give it a chance, see if that's kind of what they do, or if it was a bit of a one off. Was the gym called Heavy Metal Jiu Jitsu? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, Would you get Cannibal Corpse Jiu Jitsu? <laughs> <laughs> what a name for a band! Dang, yeah. Get them to play at my wedding. <laughs> really, really good band from like uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Right on. Anyway, but yeah, good question, Jeffrey. Thank you for it. And yeah, I mean, it's potentially a red flag. Yeah, for me, absolutely. All right, Nick. Hey, guys. First of all, I wanted to say thank you for all the amazing content that you provide. Uh, I'm a listener from Eastern Europe, so just 
you know that you have listeners all over the place. Oh, thank you. Uh, my question is more of a mental gymnastics one. In uh, many podcasts, you talked about how some techniques can be more injury risk than others. And for example, in one podcast, you recommended to focus on um, top game more as it like lacks taxing on the body. In my experience as a non-competitive hobbyist, I also noticed that most of my injuries have been from the stand-up. So uh, I tried to focus on like pulling guard and then playing a sweep-heavy game. I'm curious about your opinion on what bottom techniques would you consider more like uh, injury-prone and less injury-prone for a guard player Of course, we know that it's impossible to avoid all the injuries and risks, but let's say K-Guard is famous for issues with knees and stuff like that. Mm, curious to hear what your thoughts are, if I'm correct in my assumptions that like low knee shield is the best close guard that you can have in the game and stuff like that. Thank you. Cool. It's a good question. It's a very good question. Thanks, Nick. Well, there's two, there's two things there. Yes, there is a lot of injuries with stand-up grappling due to takedowns, but I would still stand behind the fact that playing on top in terms of passing guard is a better place to be than being on the bottom. That said, if you are on the bottom, the place that I've had my most injuries from bottom in guard is deep half guard and uh, in the middle of an inversion, having someone just stack just drop their hip on my face or just rip my leg to the side. And like generally the inversion, like being fully flexed in the spine and rotating and have someone drop their weight on me. Uh, that was pretty tough. So yeah, there's, there is possibly, it's hard to say what is safer, but certain positions definitely you have more control and it's not as taxing on the body. Half guard is... Super famous for that because it's very economical in terms of how much energy you use. Yeah. Whether you're doing knee shield or however you play your half guard, it's typically the stronger old old man game. Yeah, yeah. If you look to what the old people are playing, <laughs> close guard, half, half guard. guard. Man, deep half guard's probably there a bit as well. A little bit of butterfly. Even though you've got a couple bunch of like na- mashing in the face. face. But yeah, and I, I, do, I do think they're solid. I really like butterfly, right. yep. personal preference. And I, I, I don't know, I feel like it's safe, but I've also got short strong legs chunky legs and so yeah. it suits me very well it does and you know potentially not knowing what your dimensions are like if you had long long lanky legs you could be putting yourself in a position for i don't know getting your legs attacked or something yeah definitely and and look i, I think at least from what uh nick's saying possibly it's like if you are going to play bottom how do you approach that now recently i think it's uh on a flanagan um uh, our friend in the uk he was talking about how he prioritizes his jiu-jitsu when he's playing guard and he goes subs any pass to the back and sweeps that's what he just focuses on in terms of his priority from guard right to make sure that he's not copying problems from the top ah right so he's like i'm always trying to get subs always 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 because that makes the person passing more on their back foot yeah and then if i can't submit them i want to take their back because i don't want to be under there forever Yeah, and any way that I can get to the back, I want to get to the back. And if there's no way for me to get to the back, well, fuck it, I'm gonna take a sweep. Right, and that was kind of his order of priority in terms of how Triage. he approaches playing his guard. But uh, yeah, I'd say I I am a big fan of butterfly and X guard, and 
I actually, I really rate K-Guard, to be honest. I think single X is problematic for knees. I think people underestimate how bad that can be for you. And also, if you spend too much time in knee shield, it's a lot of work on the hip. I used to play a lot of knee shield half guard. So it's probably not as good for you as you think it is. Any of the kind of more open dynamic guards, like if we're talking about gi jiu-jitsu, playing spider guard, lasso, any of that, a lot of talk on the knees and ankles. So I would say that's, even though it's great jiu-jitsu, it's probably more taxing. So possibly more likely to give you injuries possible allegedly saying all these things. Yeah, I think another consideration is where, like, it's one thing to use a particular type of guard, but then where are you going with that? Yeah. So say, like, I like a bit of single leg X, yep. but I'm not really, I don't really use it to enter leg entanglements and stuff that much. Right. Lately more because I'm playing with that, but I'll use it to sweep, right? Like, yep. stretch them out, sweep, or send them back the other way with a single leg or go back, go to a regular X guard. And so in that way... I think that when you're going into more leg entanglements, I do think that that exposes you to injury risk because there's just a lot of shit moving there, Mm. isn't there? And like when you add in the inversions and whatnot and their escapes and whatever, I find that that's quite a risky place to play. Not not a bad place to play in by any means and I think everyone should learn it. But if I'm trying to reduce injuries, I'd be like, maybe I'm not going to go for an entanglement. Yeah, I, I play a bunch of reverse De La Hiva. That's probably like my best game. But it does expose you to attacks from the top, like in terms of your free leg. And I think this is something you want to consider is that these days the idea of just keeping your guard and passing the guard, that's kind of not... You know, people are diving to back takes as they pass. You know, people are, you know, people are doing all kinds of stuff. So people entering into leg locks while they're passing your guard is is very common. So... I guess what you want to consider isn't just the load you're taking when you're in guard, but how that person might attack you when you're on the bottom. And that is a consideration for your mental gymnastics. Boss, boss. Thank you for the questions. If you want to post a question for us, bulletproof of bjj.com, go to the podcast page, leave us a voicemail, and we'll feature you on the next Q&A. Thank you, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.